Good morning, everyone. Sorry about that. Welcome to the Dismantle Racism show with the Reverend Dr. TLC, where our goal is to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism and create a world where racial equity is the norm. As you know, I am your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC, and today we are going to be talking about transracial narratives with my guest, Kim Fuller. But before we get started, I want us to do what we usually do, and that's take a breath. Today, we are going to take a breath, and we're going to breathe in revelation. Revelation is something that comes to us when we take a moment to stop, reflect, listen, and to refrain from being reactive. So I invite you to just take a breath, connect with your sacred source, whatever that is, so that revelation can come to you in such a powerful way that you will surrender to your greatest, highest good. Just breathe in revelation and exhale your light and your love to your community and into the world. So breathe in revelation and allow yourself in this time together to awaken to new insights into who you are and how you impact those around you. Breathe in newfound revelation that will help you to see others who perhaps are different from you and you can see them more clearly. Breathe in revelation that offers peace, enlightenment, reconciliation, or whatever is needful in this moment to dismantle racism. Doesn't it feel great to just breathe and to just be in the moment? So again, welcome to the show. I wanna talk today about the narratives that we carry because within each of us, we carry the stories of our ancestors. We carry our stories of the past, which of course are shaped by our personal experiences and they're shaped by the narratives that we tell ourselves. And sometimes they're shaped by the narratives that others have given to us. So we carry these stories in our bodies from old. Sometimes the narratives are shaped by things that we see visually. Sometimes they're shaped by encounters we have with other people, conversations that we have with other people. And sometimes those narratives do not leave space for change, revelation, reconciliation, or healing, particularly the narratives around race. And so We can, though, if we become more racially conscious, begin to change the ways in which we see things, the stories that we tell ourselves, and we can evaluate whether our narratives serve us or not. So today's guest, Kim Fuller, knows a little bit about how important narratives are and the stories that we tell ourselves. So I want to welcome today my colleague, my friend, Kim Fuller, who is the creator of a movement called Born to Rise. And Born to Rise, its purpose of that is to empower women to stand in their stories and their self-image with confidence so that they can connect more deeply, create a life of peace and possibility, and to make positive change while inspiring other folks to do the same thing. Kim is an extraordinary photographer. She's been a photographer for over 30 years. I know it doesn't uh, appear for those of you who can see her on camera uh, that she's been in this business for 30 years, but she has. And Kim really is able to look through the lens to allow women's stories and, and other people that she photographs as well, but to allow that story to come out. And she's a mindfulness photographer, and that comes from her, uh, and I'll I'll actually allow her to tell that story, but it, it comes from an encounter that she had that informs her 
sacred practice. And so we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But Kim is the author and her book is entitled Finding. She's a TEDx speaker, a teacher, a mindfulness coach, and she developed a method called PAUSE to help people more mindfully navigate relationships in their lives. I am delighted to welcome my guest today, Kim Fuller. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Kim. I'm so excited to be here, Carolyn. I am. And can you be my publicist, please? That was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime, anytime, anytime. Well, Kim, tell us a little bit about your, I know that I know your sacred practice, and I'd love to hear a little bit about how your practice forms your work. So tell us about this encounter that you had that brought you, um, really expanded your view of mindfulness and how you engage in that work. Well, and also my story. It's funny, I'm thinking of this now and connecting this, but I was on a photo assignment and I was in kind of a funky place. I was having this challenging relationship with someone as we were working on something together. And in my mind, as I was being uh, told to sit down during this photo shoot versus stand up and move around and be able to photograph the Dalai Lama when he was going to be giving a presentation at uh, a local university, um, my mind went right into my story of, I'm not going to be able to get any good photos. I'm uh, why am I not the one that gets to move around? I really wanted to meet the Dalai Lama in person, you name it. And I did get to meet him very briefly as he came into the tent and I was in my little station seat that they'd given me and I was able to shake his hand. And in that moment, there was such a connection that, um, felt like pure, pure love. Like he saw right through me into my heart center or something. I I even burst into tears. Mm -hmm. And I I remember reflecting on that thinking, if I hadn't been told to sit in that seat, I would not have had that magical moment. Mm -hmm. And so I let, you know, notice that story I'd been telling myself. So that practice, that moment um, really got me wondering about his practice. How did he do this? Because I was not really raised super religious and I didn't have a spiritual practice at that time, but it really got me to dive into Buddhism and begin to understand how he was able to see me in that way in such a loving, hold, holding kind of space in just a, a flash. Mm. And he was doing it with so many people in the tent. But you know what was, is really amazing about your story, and, we, and as we will unfold a little bit later, sometimes we can stay so in our stories that we actually miss that moment of revelation. That's right. And That's right. you actually paused in your story <laughs> and just decided, okay, let me, let me figure out what this experience could be yeah. in this moment. Because I think in our stories, what we do is the ego gets more involved. Oh, you got it. I was all in my ego. You were, you were all in it, but then it was, there was this moment of like, okay. And there was this moment of seeing him and the other people. Right. And then part of, part of my practice as a photographer is really being present when I'm on a shoot like that, especially if it's an event, because I'm constantly sort of looking for those moments to capture. So I had been watching him, right? And watching the crowd and thinking, wow, something is really happening that's special here. And Mm -hmm. so by the time he got to me, I literally had put the camera down. And here I was all sort of in my ego about not being able to get any photos of him that were anything but the podium and him. And he was right in front of me, but I put the camera down. And so it was... It was meant to happen. And one of the one of the biggest lessons in, in the Buddhist teachings that I think has really been important for me is sort of understanding impermanence and non-attachment. And in that moment, I, I think there was a moment of non-attachment to any kind of outcome. Like, screw the photos. <laughs> this there's something happening here. <laughs> but, I think, but I think that's the beauty of <clears throat> Just whether it's our interactions with folks or, or yes, of course, we have to plan for things and there's a job, so to speak, that we have to do. But at the same time, if we let go of some of the expectations, because I'm sure before you went to that photo shoot, you had in your mind, oh, my goodness, I'm meeting the Dalai Lama and I'm going to do this, 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 and this. But when you allow space 
for the story to unfold differently. And I, and I really, you know, keep saying the story and the narrative, not just because you talk about that in your work. The two of us actually talk about the stories that folks tell themselves, whether it be around dismantling racism or racism in general, which we're going to, mm-hmm. going to talk about in a minute, but it is so powerful to be able to say, what is the new narrative that can unfold if yeah. we allow it? So, yes. And that's is- the impermanence, right? That's the impermanence because our narrative is basically all those thoughts that come from our experiences, our ego and what have you. And ego meaning sort of the us, the self, right? Yes. The way we identify as who we are. Mm-hmm. And that narrative can shift because the thoughts are simply coming and going. And when we start to pay attention to those, that's when we can notice and see, wait a minute, there's another possibility here to focus on this or shift that thinking a little to be more supportive mm-hmm. for the self or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so taking that into my life has been huge, not only working with my photography clients, but with the story that I wrote about in my book of adopting my son and how that all impacted me, him, and my family. Mm-hmm. Um And so my Buddhist practice was super helpful in all of that because the story I had made up was that, oh, adopting this little boy, everything was going to be peachy. We were going to make his life so special. It was all going to be dandy. He would be happy. All the things that you hope for and that you think you're capable of when in fact in really letting go is when he really was able to settle into the family in a good way. Because before that, there was a lot of headbutting and wanting things to be different than they were. And he was struggling and I was trying to fix it and change it and make it different. When in fact he needed something very different. He needed and, me. And you know what? Dalai Lama. You know, here's what's really interesting about this, Kim, because we're, you're talking about that for your adopted son. But the truth is as parents, we often have to let go of what we think our children should be. Do we right. create a narrative when they're born? of what we think their life is going to be. And, you know, they have their own mind. Go figure, right? I I think I just didn't see it clearly until then. And that's the point, I think, is that we have these pivotal moments in our life that shift that narrative, right? So, there, you know, I was a pretty laid back mom as far as like letting my kids be their kids. I was fortunate to have parents like that. But I did, of course, have expectations, right? That they would be... I don't know, straight or go to a certain college or act a certain way or whatever. But um, I think it was my son, Kaidel that really challenged it in a different way. And I think people who are challenging in your life, so to speak, become your greatest teachers if you can stay present to that narrative, to the what we make up about them. So I just want to point out right before we go to break, because we're going to have to take a break in a minute, is that... That one encounter that you had where yeah. you had a narrative in your head that turned out to be different yes. actually informed your life long term. And so I think that that's one of the messages that we want to be clear to share with people is that if we can break free of those narratives, it might just change our situations in a way that will really be transformational, not just to us but to other people as well. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about our narratives when we come back with my guest, Kim Fuller. So stay tuned after this commercial break. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, 
for the show a journey through into awareness on my show we journey into the awareness that the mind of god is the true seat of our personal consciousness we join together each monday at 7 p.m. so tune in on talk radio nyc did you know that nearly 1 in 5 adults in the us battles mental illness Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Inning. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back to Dismantle Racism with the Reverend Dr. TLC. Today's guest is Kim Fuller. Kim, before the break, we were discussing our narratives and how being a Buddhist has informed not only your um, work as a photographer, but the ways in which you really navigate life and the ways in which you allow yourself to experience a different narrative. And so talk to me a little bit about how being a practicing Buddhist has really uh, shaped your view or informed your work on dismantling racism. Yeah, gosh, in so so many ways. But um, I think one of the key things is that I've really practiced looking at myself And in understanding myself, it gives me a better understanding of others. And this idea that we are all interconnected, it's a huge theme in in, uh, awakening to reality, if you will, is that we are all interconnected. And so when I understand that, I understand the impact that others have on me and the impact that I have on others. I was very fortunate to be exposed to a lot of different kinds of people growing up as a military child or child of a military father. And um, I think that experience really awakened me to the fact that even though we all might look a little different, skin color, so to speak, or, or hair color, or any of that, and the different cultures and backgrounds we come from, we all have the same desire to find acceptance, love, peace, you know, the, the basic kind of things that make us humans. And I think that um, my practice has also just reminded me of that over and over and over again, because I know I want it for myself. Why wouldn't other humans want it for themselves? And so as I navigate the world, my family, my friends, I, I try to remember that in my engagements with them and to be present each moment and not to bring in my story of previous interactions with them, what I make up about them, what I believe to be true or not true about what's happening. Because again, I bring in the impermanence. I have no idea what they've been doing for the last, you know, few days, months, years that I haven't seen them. They could have been influenced by- I have to tell you, that is so powerful. That's that's a powerful, uh, just tool to have to say, I don't bring in really those past- conversations, experiences, et cetera. It's not, it's not that they, that you don't completely, uh, don't think ignore about them. Them or ignore them, but it's right. just that you're not allowing them to guide your present, uh, interaction. And I so, just believe that if we bring that in too much, we're not making, like you've said in the beginning, we're not making space for possibility mm-hmm. because each moment is a new opportunity to begin again, I think. And mm-hmm. so even if there was a lot of icky before, like, can we start over? Can we, yeah. see, can we try a new approach? And that's part of the pause method, right? To slow down, become aware, shift. These are all that is an acronym. You know, the S is the shift perspective. Try something new, explore. That's the E in pause, explore a new action step. Maybe mm-hmm. I say something differently. Listen instead of talk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so 
grounding in the practice of being present has been huge. And then understanding that interconnectedness is really another huge piece of it for me. So, so I love what you're saying, Kim, and, and what you're talking about, it applies to so many situations that we're dealing with and not just when we're talking about dismantling racism, but I want to specifically ask you, uh, because we've been friends now for, I don't know, several years. And I think that, that the two of us have seen each other grow and we've had some really deep conversations around racism. And while the practices that you're talking about are relevant for numerous situations, I'd love to know though, what's been some of your own personal transformation in the, in the work of dismantling racism? Because I believe that we have to specifically focus on the things that we want to change. And so I want to be careful that, that the tools or the things that we talk about, that we also don't say to folks um, that we don't, that we don't have to focus in on a person's ethnicity, their race or other identifying factors. And I say that because I always hear folks say, well, I'm taught to be colorblind. Oh, yeah. I believe you should yeah. be color conscious. So I talk to me about your personal transformation in this area to, to the awakening of I have to see that person at, at, as a racial being. Right. So, so some differentiations here. So in being present for someone means that I am present in each moment. And there's only this moment. That does not mean I disregard what I see in front of me. So... I'm going to make assumptions and judgments. It's, I can't help it. I see you as a black woman, right? So that's going to register. It does for me. Mm-hmm. I see color. I do. Mm-hmm. And I may also. I'm glad you do because I'm, yeah. and I'm glad you're able to acknowledge it because I think when people say they don't see color, they're actually not being. They're not being honest. Yeah, because they're you not can't help but to see that I'm a black woman, yes, right? Yeah. <laughs> and also to, in that moment, recognize there may be some things I need to be aware of in this conversation or mindful of, if you will. And I don't want to assume you are the same as all black women or that you are the same as you were yesterday because we are good friends and we talk often. What's been your day, right? So that's the difference, right? So there's, there's seeing and then there's being mindful of what you're seeing, and watching where you make assumptions and judgments. And so around this racial piece, it's been huge because what we see in the news is is constantly to me badgering or making black people look horrible. And I know that's not true because I've met many black people who are amazingly beautiful. So how can this be so thrown in our face and us not be affected by that? Mm-hmm. by paying attention that's how and so well, and and kim so can i just pause just because yeah. i know with the conversation that we're having is you know you talked about how the media portrays black people yeah the other thing that i know in the conversation is that there have been moments where you've had this feeling of hopelessness like what can we do is the world going to get better so how have you engaged in a process or the work of understanding that we ha- we must continue with this work and not go into this place of hopelessness? Well, and here's where story comes in and, and the work that you and I have been doing together around transforming our racial narratives. I've had to look at my narrative. What do I believe? What are my biases? Like I could walk around as a white girl, white woman and go, oh, I'm so woke. I got it. I, I understand black people because I've been around a lot of black people. Well, no, I don't. And I can't even begin to. And that's what I've realized working with you is that there's so many things that I don't have to think about that you have to think about, for example, that some fears that you may have that I don't have to worry about as a white woman. And those are the kinds of things that I didn't even know, know that I didn't know. Right. And so The way I have learned them is by having those deep conversations with you and being willing, if you will, to to show up where I'm still a little messy Mm -hmm. and where I still have work to do. And here's where my ego wants to drop in and go, 
oh no, I'm I'm good. Like I can just hide that and sweep that under the rug and live my little pretty life. And it will continue if I don't do it. And for mm-hmm. me, I'm passionate enough about not only being a good person, <laughs> but being a good white person because the history is not great around white people and how they have treated black people. It's still going on. I don't want to be that person. Mm -hmm. Well, I I think I want to, I just want to pause for just a second. I keep saying pause. I think it's because you have your method of pause. And it it, it just, every time I say it, but, but here's what's interesting. I, I, that you said, I want to be a good person and a good white person. And you make a distinction between those things, because I also often hear people to say, I'm not a racist. I'm a good person. And so racism isn't about whether a person is a good person or not. Right. We can go out and feed the homeless, but still not be concerned about the uh, health disparities, for instance, with, Uh, black and brown people or be concerned about mass incarceration you're still a good person it's it's about basically what you are saying what can we do to change the narratives in this country that white is supreme basically so that you're saying i'm going to take a look at myself and see what i can do in my own corner of the world and i think that's what's powerful about you saying, well, wait a minute, I don't have to believe the narrative that the world has given me. I need to show up as the person that I am. And that's what's critical to not forget that our one act can change thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And we just have to be committed to that. And Kim, one of the things that I know that you do as well is that you stay with the uncomfortable, because there are times that you and I have some conversations that are pretty heavy conversations. And, and you talk about how long after we've stopped the conversation, it's playing in your head. And then you come back for more, right? <laughs> but, but, but the beauty of that um, is because we have a relationship as well. And so I think that there's this space of being able to say, that we trust one another to engage in the deeper conversations. And I think we're going, Kim, we're going to have to take a quick break. And and so hold on to your thought and we will be right back with Dismantle Racism with Reverend Dr. TLC and my guest, Kim Fuller. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. 
Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Dismantle Racism. Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. TLC, and I'm back with my guest, Kim Fuller. Kim, before the break, we were talking about some of the really uncomfortable conversations that you and I have, but you, you keep coming back for more. You stay engaged with the work, and you wanted to just say some a little bit more about that before we end it. Yeah, I was just going to say that the uh, the uncomfortable feeling often means that there's something shifting in me. And I've learned that. And so even when it is a little uncomfortable and wiggly, it's almost as if I'm feeling my body reprogramming itself in some way. And so it does feel uncomfortable. But, you know, one thing that I know to be true is that part of what allows you and me to keep coming back is that we have developed this dialogue with one another and this trust. And I think that even before that, we, we would share stories with one another. We'd share stories about our children, about our lives as women, and you know, just in general. And then we got into the racial stories. And I think that's where, for me, sharing stories really connects someone enough to say, I see you and I trust you because, you know, you're showing up for me. And that gives me permission to show up for you. And so that's what I love so much about stories. Um, and that, that gives me the room to say, I can do this. I can do this. So thank you for that. So Kim, let's talk a bit because you mentioned your adopted son, Kaidel, and I've asked you a bit about your own personal work that you're doing in this area. You said that you had this image that I could just adopt my son and all would be well. Well, that wasn't the case, right? There were, there were things that you had to deal with. Kaidel is uh, a black man at this point because he's he's older. Talk to me a little bit about what you notice now. You may not have even noticed it early on, but what you're noticing now, the more and more you uh, wake up to the differences, what are some of the uh, your own adjustments and realizations that you had to make raising a son who's of another race? Yeah, there's so much here because Kaidel is such a special young man. He really is so smart. And and I think that because I was studying Buddhism and mindfulness when he was so young and my other kids were a little older when I got into it, he's had a lot of the influences of how to self-reflect. So he's really good at that as well. When I have had the sort of the conversations around, for example, you're a black man. And unlike my son, Henry, who is a white, almost Aryan looking young man, blonde, tall, very light skinned, um, is that I have to talk to Kaidel about things that are in the media. Like if you get pulled over, you need to think about this. If you are walking at night, you need to think about this. Those are the kinds of conversations I didn't necessarily have with my white son, not in, not for the same reasons, let's say. For Henry, it might have been about be polite, respect, yada, yada. For Kaidel, it was like survival. <laughs> you know, you could be harmed in that moment. And so that was tough. And what I noticed also is that he didn't like talking about that because as an adopted child and some of his early, you know, traumas and things he's already had to deal with. He now had this racial piece on top of it that just, I think in my mind felt very overwhelming. And I think it was a moment where he realized like, I got to deal with that too, Mm -hmm. which I know you have mentioned you deal with every day, not something I have to deal with. 
So he had this layer of his own early beginnings, own early traumas and life changes and all that. And then all of a sudden now he's asked to think about that. And I think it was like, there was a resistance and a frustration and a like, I'm not that I, that won't happen to me. And so I've just had to say, look, I know this is hard. And I've had to trust that I've got to keep talking about it, even though. Well, it's so what was, but, but for you, Kim, and, and yeah. it's interesting because you and I are going to actually do a whole workshop on this coming up in, in a couple of days, transracial parenting. But what was it for you as a mom and as a white mom in particular that said, wait a minute, I have to have a different conversation because I've met many white people who I'm going to say who are under the illusion and delusion, you know, at point that kids are kids and I don't need to have these conversations. I, I've actually had kids in my classroom who were uh, people of color who had white parents who never had conversations with their parents about some of the racial experiences they had. Yeah. Because they just didn't think their parents would get it. But yet these parents are feeling like, no, I just need to treat all of my kids the same. So what was it for you that said, wake up, Kim. Kaidel is different. I need to have a different conversation with them. I, again, I, just, I think I go back to my early experiences of being around so many people and, and my, pra my Buddhist practice around the fact that, you know, be awake, wake up because, and let go of the ego of I'm going to raise him the way I want to raise him or the, you know, protect him because, you know, it's protectable and it's not. And so mindfulness is about being aware of what's, what's happening in the world. I mean, this is real. This is, this is stuff you got to talk about. You can't just sweep things under the rug. And I know it's challenging. I know it's hard to have these kinds of conversations. I don't want to upset him. And it's still important. But I was going to, I had another thought, but we'll, we'll keep talking. Um, but I think, I think some of the things as a parent are just that we always want to protect our children, right? And sometimes we think we're doing the right thing. But protecting for me is about informing him and having those tough conversations. Mm -hmm. and, and it's also, what's interesting is as you're talking about this, I remember once I was doing a training because uh, I do trainings on dismantling racism. And I talked about, this was when my kids were really little. And I talked about the ways in which I tell my kids when you go into a store, please don't touch things, please don't pick up things because you know, mm -hmm. folks might be watching. They may think that you're stealing, blah, blah, blah. And I remember this one white woman saying to me, yes, but aren't you perpetuating racism when you do that? Ooh. And I said to her, I am protecting my children is what I'm doing. It's unfortunate because in some ways there might be this perpetuation of racism in that I, I'm saying to my children, maybe in an unconscious way, that you're less than, but see, I always tell the counter story to that as well. So I don't just leave it at don't touch because, but my kids become aware of the history of where this is coming from. And then I'm able to tell them that you can still do and be what you choose to be. That doesn't mean you aren't going to have some battles. You see, because there is a different story that happens with my children. And yeah. so- it's important, I believe, that even in the narratives, because we can, we can tell ourselves narratives that will keep us down, but we can tell ourselves narratives that will also empower us. Well, it's that well. old saying, like, prepare for the worst, hope for the best. So if you, if you know what the worst possibility is, but you prepare yourself to think, I hope that never happens, right? Like, I, I hope you never have to have a bad interaction with a police officer or a white person or anyone for that matter. But in this conversation that, and yeah, you gotta, you gotta be informed, right? And let's hope. Well, I, I, I think, I think what's really critical in having the conversation is that maybe it will never happen, but if you prepare them, they won't be so shook as they say when it does. I can remember also when I was um, when I was in graduate school and I was working with undergraduate students. I remember a student coming into the counseling office, and she was a biracial student, 
Asian, uh, of Asian descent and white. And she was so shook when someone called her uh, a racial slur because she just had not been prepared for any such thing to happen. She had grown up around mostly white people all her life and she had navigated pretty well uh, a, a white system and society. And so she just didn't see herself in that way and probably understood those racial slurs were for other people of Asian descent and not for her. And so we don't do our kids any justice or service in our blindness. By here's, not- an example, here's an example of a story that Kaidel told himself. If I behave properly and I, you know, I'm, I'm a good person and I speak kindly when I get pulled over, you know, cause he, he would say, he would think that if people acted properly, that wouldn't happen to them. If you don't run, no one's going to chase you. If you don't do this, I said, have you read or watched the George Floyd videos, trial, anything, Kaidel? He did not act inappropriately and it still happened to him. And so his story was, if I'm this, that'll all be good, right? So that's part of what I'm hoping to help people recognize is, yes, there's that and. And so watching what we tell ourselves and how it can be helpful, but not closing that off. Don't don't close the book on that story. Keep an open mind about, okay, I have this narrative, but what else? What other possibilities? Exactly. And so that's what I mean when I talk about our narrative. And in this sense, his racial narrative, my racial narrative, your racial narrative. It's it's unique and it's global in a sense at times. Mm-hmm. And and there, but there is a differentiation because we all are individuals and have different conditioning and experiences around it. Yeah. And what I love about what you're saying is that it's not an either or, it's a both and. And when yeah. we talk about narratives, it again if we think about how much can I expand my narrative, it actually helps to reduce the amount of fear, the anxiety, the frustrations that we have. I know that right now in um, a number of school districts, they're talking about critical race theory and whether to teach that to children. And there are parents, white parents in particular, who are up in arms because they say, you're going to teach kids to hate America. You're going to teach kids that they're racist. That's not what critical race theory is. And so I think, have you actually read what critical race theory is? And are you willing to have another narrative be presented so that you don't have to feel like it's something that's going to threaten who you are. It's time we wake up and know the truth about this country. Well, and the people who are against it are also assuming that they're going to protect their kids and they don't even know if the kids, I mean, this might be good for the kids. And so this is an assumption that they're making. We're all making. And, and, And actually what we're finding out really is that kids actually want to talk about this stuff. Of course they do. They want to talk about it and they want to do something about it. If we look at Uh, 2020, and we look at those marches, we look at the number of young kids who were out there, not just out there marching, but I know of kids who actually were starting protests on their own. And so when you go into a store and you see kids with their t-shirts on and, you know, how they're just advocating, these kids are ready and they're more willing to engage in the work sometimes than those of us who are a little bit older, but they are, they are. So we do have to take another break. We'll be back with Dismantle Racism with the Reverend Dr. TLC and today's guest, Kim Fuller. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC, Uplift, Educate, Empower. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. Podcast, 
the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. I'm back with my guest today, Kim Fuller, and we have been talking about transforming racial narratives. Kim and I actually do some work together with helping, it's turned out to be women, but it's open to anybody around transforming racial narratives. And it began because in our discussions, we, we, we found that there are lots of stories that we carry around and stereotypes that we carry around about people of other races. And so we started this series called White Women Tears, Black Women's Anger, Real Talk Series. And from that series, what we've done is each month we come up with a theme. So on June 14th, we will be hosting a conversation around um, transracial parenting, a little bit of what we're talking about today, but going a little bit more deeply into that. It has been such an eye-opener to work with the women that we work with around the narratives that we carry. What I have found, and I'd love Kim to talk about some of the things that she's noticed, but I've found that people carry around a lot of guilt and shame, and there were lots of ways, particularly folks who are of a certain age, there were lots of things that they were taught in the past about interacting with Black people in particular um, that they are carrying around guilt about that now, something that they wish they had done differently as a child, perhaps. Yeah. And so Kim and I do a lot of work around getting them to uh, release those old narratives and recreate new ones. But we've also noticed things about trust as it relates to interracial relationships. So Kim, you want to talk a little bit about what you're noticing uh, about the stories that folks carry, whether it's with the workshops that we do or just in your work in general? Yeah, well, um, my work in general is is helping women sort of uncover what that story is that may be keeping them in a place of not looking for possibility. Um, but what I've noticed in our workshops is, the, is a similar thing <clears throat> in that, if we hold on to some of the shame and the guilt and the experience this is, that came from sometimes not even our own stuff, because we were oftentimes some of the stories happened when we were children. A lot of it comes from a, something a parent said to us or, or an experience like busing that happened to a woman of color or, you know, whatever it might be. And we hold on to that. And so what we're finding is that if we can help someone say, yes, let's talk about that, like share that story and then see what would happen if you can release that shame and guilt and how you can move forward from this place versus staying in that. And what happens when you do that? Because one example was someone had an experience as a child where their parent came in, they were playing with a little black boy and she was white. And the dad said something like, um, you know, what are you doing playing with that black kid? And the poor black boy, you know, he was aware he'd probably been taught these things at home that you don't argue, you don't make a fuss, you just get up and leave. And the girl was left with this guilt and shame about not defending her friend and all of these things. 
she's a 50 something year old woman now and still carries that around. Now, I don't know if this is true for her, but in a blocked version of that or a stuck story version, she may have fears about approaching people or speaking up for people because that's still in her. If she can learn to release that and say, I was, I was six years old, seven years old, however old she was in that time. I didn't know what I was doing, but now I do. And I can let that go and say, I want to move forward from that and be an advocate now and recognize when someone needs to be stood up for and use my voice. Right. And say, that was my dad's generation. That wasn't me. And that's the thing about looking at your story versus someone else's story. Yes. And, and, and Kim, I just want to add to that too, because I think it's also important for people of color with the experiences that we have is to also not stay stuck in those experiences. Now, it does not mean that we don't need to deal with the realities of That's what right. happens to us. It also does not mean that we don't need to get help for dealing with this. And it doesn't mean allowing people to walk all over us. But what it does mean is that, let's say I have been uh, badly mistreated by white women. It doesn't mean that each time I see a white woman, that that white woman is out to get me. And so I have to to be able to allow space to say, well, maybe Kim is a white woman that I can trust. Because there is something also energetically, and I know we don't have time to really get into this, but if I carry these things around within me, if I carry guilt, shame, fear, all of that around in me, and then I began to interact with folks based on that. You can tell, you can tell what energetically what somebody else is feeling. And so it ends up being almost this cycle. And so I think that is really important. Look, we're, we're not saying changing the narrative is easy because I don't want anybody to walk away from here thinking that what we're saying is that it's easy. What we are saying is that if you get the help with changing the narrative, it becomes a little bit easier. We're saying that, but we're also saying if you begin the process saying, I'm open to a new narrative, I'm open to revelation in this moment, that can have a profound effect on your life. And what I find in the work that you and I do together is really amazing, I think, particularly um, as, as being interracial uh, collaborators in this, is that we get such a mixed group of women in on our conversations and the dynamics are great. And we create this space where we actually can deal with some of the thoughts and the narratives that we have about one another, because we have an open dialogue where people can ask about their stereotypes, they can ask about their beliefs and and just all of that, and they get clarity. So I think that's what's beautiful. But I want to uh, see if you have any uh, final thoughts about narratives or other things that you'd like to leave with us, because we're getting close to yeah. the time that we have to say goodbye. Well, my most important takeaway really is that I think we have to work on ourselves. And I even know that when when Kaidel was going through some of the things that he was going through, I would say to him things like, you can choose to stay in this place of upset, disruption, anger, wherever you are. You can live that kind of life, but you, only you can change and decide if you want to choose happiness and getting along with other people. <clears throat> he was having a challenging time getting along with people. And I said, and if you need help and support from me, I'm always here for you. Or if you need a therapist or whatever, but we've got to work on ourselves. If we don't heal ourselves, we can never heal the other situations, i.e. racism in this country. We must heal our own wounds, our own traumas, and remember where we came from. We're not, you know, I'm not someone who who was a slave owner, but I need to know that that was happening in my culture, you know? And so it's just to be aware of your own stuff, where you hold on, what is your narrative? So that's what I really love helping people with is uncovering that and transforming it. Um, not only with you, but in the Born to Rise programs and story sharing nights. Mm-hmm. So Kim, tell our audience how they can be in touch with you, how they can get a copy of your book and um, a download of Pause. Sure. So Finding is the name of the book and it's on Amazon. Um, and my 
work is uh, under Born to Rise at borntorise.live, L-I-V-E. And you can sign up for my email list there. Um, and there's information about the pause method and mindfulness there as well. But I do have a story festival coming up in the fall, which, you know, if you might want to hear about that, or if you ever want to share a personal story in the Born to Rise platform or run it as a workshop in your company or anything like that, it's so empowering. And I would love to share that with you. So borntorise.live is really the best place to start that conversation. Great, Pam. It has been so wonderful having you on our show today. I want to invite our audience to stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz. And I invite you to return again next week to dismantle racism. Kim, we have about a minute left of the show. Is there a blessing that you could offer to our audience today? Sure. I'll just say I am sitting in complete gratitude. And as I breathe in and breathe out, I'm taking in your your pain and your suffering in some way that I can imagine bringing it into my heart and sending it back out as a beautiful white light, wishing you happiness, joy, peace. And from me to you, just extreme gratitude for tuning in today and to you, Tara Lynn, for holding space for these kinds of conversations. Hopefully we can begin to heal ourselves, thus others. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you all for joining us. We'll see you next time on Dismantle Racism with the Reverend Dr. TLC. Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you listeners looking to boost your business. Why not advertise on Talk Radio NYC with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply send us a message on our website, talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.